This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. Thank you, as always, to my friend Allie Coyle for providing the music for the show. You can find her at AllieCoyleMusic.com on social media at Allie Coyle. And as soon as the pandemic is over at any of her family's three restaurants, Dublin Four Gastropub, Wine Works for Everyone, or Fable and Spirit. Thank you. Thank you, Allie. Appreciate it very much. I am Crawford McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats, your host for this pokey little podcast, The Best Seats Podcast, which you can find on podcast services of your choosing not on all of them at the moment, still waiting on SoundCloud and a few more, but obviously Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you are listening to it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you are well. Hope you are staying safe. Hope you are staying sane. And for God's sakes, I hope you're taking a shower. You got to stay clean in these dirty times, my friends. You got to stay clean. Anyway, let's get to the show topic. My guest for this show is Niaz Pirani. He is a friend he out here in Orange County, and he runs Knife and Spork Public Relations. Uh, I wanted to talk to him about kind of what it's like from his standpoint, watching how all of his different clients has, uh, have pivoted during all of this. A lot of his clients are going to be guests on the show coming up. We've got some of them scheduled for this week. A bunch of them are friends as well. He's really got a great roster of people that he works with, um, and he's a great individual as well. I've known him basically as soon as I started writing about food and getting into this business. He was one of the first people that I met, um, and he's just a hell of a human being all around. He's, he's really a great person. So I'm very grateful to uh, to him for being on the show. I should note that uh, there were some scheduling conflicts with this show. So if you support over on patreon.com uh, slash the best seats at the $2 or above tier, you know that you can submit questions, comments, uh, whatever, like yeah, basically that you want for each of the podcast guests. Unfortunately, due to the scheduling changes, I wasn't able to get questions from Patreon for Niaz. So there are no user submitted comments or anything like that for this episode. I apologize. It was just a technical thing. He was running around taking care of some stuff. We had to reschedule. So I wasn't able to get that announcement up. However, do keep your eyes peeled over on Patreon because there's a lot more guests coming up. I've got a lot of people that want to sit down and chat um, and some really, really, really fantastic, fantastic individuals, some really talented chefs. Uh, we're going to get some really, really big community people, um, such as Bill Bracken from Bracken's Kitchen, who is going to be on a episode, a couple episodes from now. But you'll be able to get questions and comments in for all those people moving forward. I promise you. Without further ado, though, um, let's chat with my friend, Niaz Pirani. Yes, what's up, my brother? How are you, man? Hey, Crawford. Good morning. Good morning Thanks for brother. calling. I'm good. No, man. Thanks for taking the time to do it. They, uh, I, I can't even kind of imagine what your days must be looking like right now. So even if they're slow ones, I appreciate the time stepping away. How, uh, how are you? How are things? How are you staying safe and staying as sane as you can? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm good. Things are uh, better now than they have been. Just, you know, like I think everybody kind of got hit by the shock and the immediacy of how drastic things went from like one day to like the next day, you know? Yeah, but, um, now it's been like, I think five weeks and, um, everybody's 
doing what they can to keep going. Same with me. Uh, you know, the good thing is that all of my clients still need social media. They still need advertising. So I'm still here. Good, man. I'm glad to hear that. So for people that may not know you, um, kind of who are you, uh, what is Knife and Spork PR, and kind of how did you get into this? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my name is Niaz Pirani. I've lived in Orange County since uh, two, no, 98. And um, I am the owner of Knife and Spork Public Relations. And I represent uh, a bunch of different restaurants in Orange County, primarily social media and public relations, media relations also. And um, I was a reporter. I started as a reporter at the OC Register for five years from 2005 to 2010. And then from 2010 to 2015, I worked in politics and organizing. And uh, then my wife suggested to start organizing people around food and jump into restaurant PR. And uh, that was five years ago, like last month. I was ready to celebrate my five-year anniversary Uh, and then all this. So I'm still celebrating, but it's just a weird time. Yeah, as you should. I mean, for sure, it definitely is a weird time. I I don't think that there's any... Anybody who would disagree with that. Um, so, no, but you know, five five years for any business uh, is a good thing, and I think that's something that, like, you know, a lot of people in our industry or any industry where it's like business driven, people tend not to like take a moment to celebrate what they've built. So, if you built something, celebrate it. Absolutely, yeah, I fully agree. Uh, being a person who's in PR, obviously you kind of have a different perspective on how kind of COVID-19 has hit everybody rather than like, I've talked to chefs. I have a couple like beverage directors coming up, producers, things like that. Um, and I've talked to another PR person before in Jill Cook, who was on one of my first episodes, but the, the PR aspect I think is an interesting way to look at it because you guys kind of act as the middlemen generally between your clients and the public kind of communicating what the restaurant is trying to do, uh, spreading it to as many people as possible to drive foot traffic, in this case, even socially distant foot traffic. Uh, what has that kind of been like business-wise going from, I mean, basically, not that it is a nine-to-five because I know as well as you do that it's never a nine-to-five with something like this, but what, no. what, did, what did your regular workday look like and now what does your pandemic workday look like? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's kind of the same and kind of completely not. Um, the so. The majority of my work I do at home anyway, Um, photos, videos, my content creation. Uh, The only thing I do in the restaurants is go out and, um, you know, create my photos, my content within the restaurants. So that's really what's changed. And the fact that there's no diners there. So uh, the majority of my restaurants have switched to a combination of uh, family meals, uh, there are signature dishes and, um, you know, all takeout, uh, cocktails, etc. So a lot of what I've been doing is uh, I pop into the restaurants every once in a while, uh, try to stand, you know, kind of off to the side or whatever. I have my mask and um, take some photos of the kitchen. I think a lot of people right now want to see that people are wearing gloves, that they are wearing masks, that they're being safe and practicing, um, you know, the like the good hygiene around this virus as much as possible and um so that's really been something that i've been trying to show people uh people want to see faces especially right now i think people miss people and um comfort food has actually been helping uh, a lot of people um so you know i go to the restaurants and i bring stuff back home or i take it in takeout boxes to parks or things around there and get my shots so for me the job hasn't 
changed that much. It's really just changed where I do it. So I know having worked with you in the past, that a lot of what you do is social media um, and kind of that generation from the community aspect with everybody being home and everybody being on their phones. What's that been like for you guys business-wise? Are you seeing more interaction? Are you seeing less because everybody's feeds are so kind of flooded with content? I was just curious about your work way. Like obviously when everybody was kind of out and about and doing whatever they want, people would maybe not see a post or it would, you know, get lost in somebody's algorithm or something like that. Are you seeing more engagement since everybody is home and on their phones all the time? I am actually seeing um, that more people are paying attention. And for a lot of the pages that I work with, um, I'm seeing good organic number growth. Uh, people are at home. They are on their phones. Um, I think the most important part of it is having good targeted marketing also, because the thing is like, okay, just because you're posting something doesn't mean that the right people are going to be seeing it. So um, from a business perspective, like, you know, if any restaurant owners, um, or chefs are watching this, um, you know, making sure that you have someone who's an expert at targeted marketing, that's the second component of it. And that like, that's what's been really helping us. But on the organic side too, yeah, people are paying attention and um, like, you know, Craft House is a good example. Um, they decided after a couple of days, what, like right when things happen, they were like, okay, we're going to open up and um, we're going to create this menu and see what happens. And, it's evolved over time. He sends it to me and he calls it the Epcot menu because it's like, uh, it's all these different genres of the world, kind of their comfort foods on the same menu, because that was the whole idea. Like people need comfort right now and people are responding to it. And also really big cocktails in like Mason jars. People also want those. Yeah. I've, uh, I've definitely picked up food from craft house. I picked up at the time he was doing it, I don't think it's on the menu right now, but he basically did a tray of sliders and then gigantic. Oh, you got the slider pack. I did get the slider pack and a gigantic and thing of old fashions. And I'll tell you what, that mason jar has been my go-to home cocktail glass because you can fit like three of those things in there. <laughs> and look, when you're sitting on the couch in PJs for weeks on end, you don't really want to move. So it's I good know. to just stack them and batch them. So the comfort food Quarantine thing is, life is weird, man. It, it really <laughs> is. I know you wake up and you're like, I guess I'll put on my morning PJs and then in the evening you're like, oh, I want to fancy it up a bit. So I'll put on my dinner PJs. It's just, it's, it's awful. It's kind of true. I have different, different, different uh, tank tops for different moods basically. Yeah. I'm starting to look at laundry with like a deep hatred because I'm like, how, how am I wearing these many clothes? I'm not doing anything. Uh, the one that's getting me is dishes because like the good thing is I've been able to cook a lot more at home and but the dishes, man, it's ugh. so yeah. I, I think everybody is absolutely cooking a lot more at home while they're doing their best to kind of support restaurants. But I have said it from the get go. I think I said it on social media or something that if a dishwasher is not the most like under number one, they're always underpaid people. Let's just be honest. They need to be the highest paid motherfuckers coming out of this pandemic because I am so sick of dishes. Yes, yes, a hundred percent. I'm like it. I'm like actually staring at. This is in the sink right now, and I'm like, the next thing I do is just tackle this whole thing. Yep, yep. After this, po after we record this podcast, I have to go do dishes. With people <laughs> cooking at home, um, obviously people can't do takeout every night of the week fiscally. It probably doesn't make sense for, I would say, 99% of the people out there, given that, obviously, unemployment is so freaking high and stuff like that. Uh, with people cooking so much more at home, how have the restaurants kind of adapted to that? Because I've seen some people doing 
whether they're kind of like pop-up markets or providing, like you said, those kind of pre-made family meals that require very little kind of alteration once they get home? Or how, how have any of your clients responded to the new kind of wave of the home cook? Yeah, for sure. So I have a couple of great examples. I'll go through my list. So at Angelina's Pizzeria in Irvine, um, they're doing family style portions of their lasagna, their penne pasta, where you can just, you know, take it right home and reheat it right in the oven if you need to. Um, but they also have fresh pasta that they make there and their sauces that you can just take. Like we, we had some fettuccine and the good thing with fresh pasta is it boils in like two minutes. And um, we threw in the sauce and we had their fettuccine bolognese that they serve in the restaurant at home within five minutes of cook time. Um, I have philosophy at Irvine Spectrum and their owner, Rashad, he uh, is inspired by, you know, like the philosophical aspect of the falafel. And so uh, he started a new brand within the restaurant called Plato's Kitchen. And that's um, take home. It's like heat and serve. Uh, Mediterranean meals, lamb shank, and tagine, uh, big old short ribs. And it really is delicious. extremely good. For anybody listening, depending on when you're hearing this, definitely look into Plato's Kitchen. It is extremely good food. And it all. What, is, what did you have? Oh, gosh. Um, what did we do? There was like a chicken dish that I cannot remember. I had the menu around here somewhere. It was um, like a lemon chicken. Yeah, it was a lemon chicken. There was the tabbouleh salad, uh, the potatoes that were done with like a ton of herbs, olive oil, stuff like that. And then also a meat pie, which was oh, just, that meat pie was uh, really and it was lamb. Yeah, it was lamb based. So if any, and it all tasted relatively healthy, which again, after a week of morning PJs and evening PJs was a great change of pace. So yeah, for anybody listening, definitely check out that, that one. Oh, no, 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 you're good. Keep what, going. What, what I liked about that too, was that that meal was, it felt home cooked but it was something I would never cook in my own home. Like I can make pasta. I can make a lot of different things, but I don't ever really be like, like I'm going to make Moroccan food. You know what I mean? Yeah, completely. And it was such like a, it was just a great change of pace. And I feel you completely. It felt like a home cooked meal. It like really made my stomach happy and my soul. Um, and yeah, it was good. That was a good one. So yeah, if anybody's listening, depending on when you're hearing this, if we're still in the pandemic, God forbid, uh, definitely Plato's kitchen, but sorry, keep going, man. No, no, thank you. Um, so uh, after that is uh, Lido Bottle Works, Chef Amy LeBron out in Newport Harbor. Um, she's doing a couple of different great things that I'm like really in love with. Uh, she has these stay-at-home kits, different ones um, with, you know, grocery staples. There's like a vegetarian one. There's a make-at-home pasta one. They're launching a brunch kit this weekend um, with like crab cakes and a bunch of different other brunchy good, uh, goodness in it. Um, she's making chocolate chip cookies every day that I'm like obsessed with. They're, they're, they're like the size of your palm, but they're six for six bucks. Uh, and then the other thing that they're doing out there is this breakfast burrito that she, she never had a breakfast burrito on the menu, but this one has, it's three eggs, melted cheddar, uh, these big fat cubes of fried pork belly, um, chili jam ch and like a Oaxacan aioli. And it's just, oh, and I think, oh, and French fries. And it's uh, it's like that such a insane. good breakfast burrito, man. Yeah, that it's, sounds it's absolutely so insane. She is um, absolutely awesome. I love Chef Amy. She is awesome. I, I was out there. Um, I was out there yesterday, just checking in on her. She's still going to the farm, getting the produce herself, and bringing it back to the restaurant for these kits. So you know, the whole ethos that she operates under is is still going strong. Um, I have Meetup Barbecue in Placentia. They do these big giant family platters of hickory smoked 
meats. I love their spare ribs and their brisket and um, everything. I, you know, if I'm down in South County, I'm going to go to Heritage. But if I'm up in North County and the Potential Fullerton side, I'm going to meet up. You know, I feel like every corner of the county has really good barbecue, smoking ribs up in like the Northwest side. We all have pockets, but Meetup is one of my favorites. And um, who else? Philly's Best, if you want to stop in for a cheesesteak. And uh, Sunny Cow Farms. Sunny Cow Farms is the farm that delivers restaurant produce to a lot of, um, not restaurant produce, farm produce, the fruit uh, specifically, to a lot of breweries and restaurants in the area, Lido, Craft House, Harley, Haven, um, and they do CSA boxes and fruit delivery to your home. Yeah, their stuff is really, really good. So if you are cooking from home, definitely check them out too. If you just need food in general, that's been one of the super interesting things. Is again the what were the, the storyline for the first two weeks of this thing, right? No toilet paper, no eggs, no flour, because suddenly everybody bakes, and it was just like gro- groceries were <laughs> and, picked and over. No sourdough starter. No, no, um, no like sugar, no anything. I couldn't find a lot of things. No, there. I know. All of a sudden, everybody just it was like a, yeah, boulangerie, which popped up on every single corner, like everyone. <laughs> Everyone is just raising yeast in their, their fridge forever, which is good. You know, some good ones have come out of it. Some bad ones have come out of it, too. But there are definitely some good ones. I have some upcoming podcast guests that we're going to talk about that for sure. Uh, but the fact that all these people are offering produce like kind of Sunny Cal Farms and they're basically you can get it sent directly to you. I mean, again, the restaurants that you listed are known for exceptional produce. Well, this is where it comes from. So if you're listening to this right. and you need produce, check them out. Save yourself a trip. They will deliver it to you. It's, it's really, really awesome stuff. Really awesome stuff. Well, that's good, dude. That's great. I'm glad to hear that your clients. I mean, it sounds like everybody is staying busy. It seems, for the most part, um, obviously there's a lot of back end stuff fiscally. Um, it looks like this thing is going to extend into May, so that's going to be two months of having to cut their teeth and find rent. I mean, I, I, let me ask you a candid question. Obviously, what you do is your career. You do this to pay your bills. You do this to live. Obviously, these restaurants, for the most part, I mean, you know, some of them don't even have payroll anymore. So are you, is some of this just kind of like per diem? Are you just helping out people? Because obviously, we just want everybody to make it to the other side. No, yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, I had to cut rates for the clients that uh, needed it, you know, and I'm trying to help out um, everybody. I just, the thing is for me, like, I look at it more as I just want everybody to survive to the other side of this. And as much as I can, even for myself, but more so even for these restaurants, like I came from a union background. That's when I worked in politics, I worked in a union. And like, regardless of what your politics are, for me, the idea that, um, for me, the idea that the working family is the most important piece of the American machinery is what drove everything I do in my PR business. And that's why I work with small family restaurants and individuals and people trying to make it on their own. And so for me, being one of those people also, I just look at it as always like, if I can get through something, even if times are uncomfortable, then I'm going to do that to help the whole. And if we can all get through this on the other side, we'll all be better for it. You know, we'll all be okay. Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I, uh, everything that I'm doing basically right now is all volunteer just because I want to see friends survive and get their jobs back and, and get to paying bills and just get to whatever this next sense of normalcy is going to be. I don't know what it's going to be. But I mean, the amount of money the restaurant industry is projected to lose is just, it's yeah, astronomical, staggering. the amount of money that's just gone. And also you have to think like, okay, we lost, 
Mother's Day, okay, Easter is lost. Mother's Day is lost. Probably graduation is lost. Maybe the next holidays we're going to get back are in fall. Well, St. Patrick's Day, and too. So, I mean, this whole thing started with St. Patty's Day. Oh, I think that's the, right. the 16th is it when it started. Yeah. And OC Restaurant Week was like completely impacted. Yeah. You I know? went to the launch so, party on. Pam Waite was wonderful enough to invite me out to the launch party for OC Restaurant Week. It was that weekend. I want to say it was Saturday or Sunday. And then literally Monday, everyone's like, you, Newsom was basically like, you should probably close. And everyone went, oh, shit. All right. I guess no St. Patty's Day for us. And, and now we're here. Yeah. But yeah. Oh, yeah. And by yeah, the, exactly. I mean, those are some massive financial ones. I mean, your alcohol sales from St. Patrick's Day are obvious, but I don't think people understand that if you want to ask any server, and again, if I'm wrong, you can write in and tell me the bestseats.com slash you're wrong. Mother's Day brunch is the most stressful service to work. I would say if you're a bartender at St. Patrick's Day. I think without a doubt, because maybe, maybe New Year's Eve. everything to be perfect for their mom. Yeah, I would say Mother's Day brunch is an insane service. If I'm wrong, tell me I'm wrong, and I'll read it on the next podcast. But I don't think I'm wrong. I stick by that. I don't know. Well, let's talk about your time as a writer because you obviously you cut your teeth for years, like you said, doing you know journalism with a really respectable group. You are still writing in some capacity because you recently put a piece out on VoiceOfOC.org touching on kind of how the restaurant industry has been hit, um, kind of your views on it, how you've seen it really impact those people firsthand because of everybody that you work with and you're watching how it just decimated your clients. Um, and I can't even imagine what your phone and kind of messages look like in that first 72 hours with everybody closing down. <laughs> but talk about that piece a little bit and kind of touch on what kind of drove you to write that, um, inspired it and kind of how you came about doing it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so first, I want to thank uh, Norberto Santana. He's actually like one of my mentors. Um, he is, he, to me, he's the best investigative reporter on the planet. And uh, I worked with him when I was at the register, but I never met him at the register. Um, I met him uh, during my political times. And um, in a lot of ways, he was the person, one of the people who inspired me to start this PR business. And so... Um, you know, the day that this all happened, I kind of had a lot on my mind. And um, I don't know, maybe you understand this, but like, you know, when you create so much content for other people, the hardest thing to do is create content for yourself. And um, yeah, like that that can be difficult for sure. Yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah. And, and so I've been wanting to like really get back into my writing and my blogging, um, especially because OC Weekly, I was doing music writing for them up until they closed. And so, like, losing that outlet, I still want to do something. And so I started writing this piece. And then I realized, well, like, you know, this could be a community editorial in the voice of OC. And so I messaged him and asked if he would publish it, and he did. Um, and I was really thrilled. It has 500 shares, which I like a little bit over that, which to me, like, means that something did resonate in the community. And that means a lot to me that people, that many people took the time to read those thoughts, you know? Um, I think a lot of the things in it now, restaurants have done these things. They're trying to pivot. Um, you know, I think, unfortunately, some of the things that I wrote about in there, that restaurants need help from the government, money. We've seen what happened with the loan program already. Um, hopefully that will get straightened out. Uh, but, you know, yeah, it was it, just a really good moment to be able to express my voice in kind of that public way. And um, it makes me want to keep writing and continue writing more, kind of bring back food reviews and highlights and all that kind of stuff. 
kind of like what you do, man. Your blog is really great. Appreciate and that, really man. kind you. of inspired me the way you write it. It's like very first person food blog, and I appreciate that. I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yeah, the piece is really well written. I did reshare it um, on my own blog. I know a couple other people did. Uh, I will put the link for it in the show notes. So when you're done listening, click down, click through it, give it a read. Even if you're not in Orange County, I think it's extremely poignant. Um, it's obviously well written. Um, and yeah, it's a really, really good one to kind of get out there and read. Yeah, the the financial thing has been very interesting. Obviously, this is something that's going to have waves and repercussions for years to come. And I definitely don't think that we've seen the last of it. I know that at the time of this recording, um, a new deal is in the works. I don't know where it stands. I haven't looked at the news because I wanted to have a happy day, but we'll see if I want to feel depressed later. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's really been insane. Actually, Ruth Chris blocked me on Twitter. So that was, oh. a, that was a fun one. <laughs> um, that means you did something right. I guess. I don't know. They, they, they're not a fan of me, but that's all right. I'm not a fan of them at the moment. So if you're listening to this, Ruth Chris, which you're not, give the money back. But regardless... Yeah, it's it's definitely a trying time. So how is the, I mean, aside from what they're doing business-wise, you're still talking to your clients, obviously, you're still seeing them. How is everybody emotionally? Are people optimistic? I mean, first and foremost, actually, do you, did any of your clients qualify for the small business loan if they applied for it? You know that, I'm not sure. I did not ask any of them. Because it's, it's one of those weirdly private questions, but at the same time, it's kind of like with everything going on, I almost kind of, I'm very curious how many applied and how many didn't get it. Cause I've had people reach out to me. So I blasted Ruth Chris on my Instagram and a, and a couple things like that um, about the 20 million that they received from the small business loan. And I had a lot of people reach out and go, yeah, we didn't get ours. We didn't get ours. We didn't get ours. And it's like actual staggering. real small businesses. Yeah. Actual real small businesses of people that are reaching out. And I don't want to name them on here yet. Cause I don't know if they're okay with that, but there were a lot of people that reached out and said, we didn't get it. And it's ridiculous. But I mean, so even with all of that going on, how, how are your clients? Are people in good spirits? Are they optimistic? Are they, are they seeing business from the community? I mean, I think it goes in waves probably, you know, like in the beginning, I think everybody just felt sucker punched for real. And, um, but, you know, the thing with restaurant people that I've learned is that like whatever happens, to you, you just keep going. Like we already are in a, an industry where margins are small. You're you're already in a place where it's typically a stressful environment, but you do what you do because you love what you do and you love food and you love serving people and like the art of hospitality, right? And I think like the majority of restaurateurs in, having gone through this, their first thought is like, how do we keep our doors open for our community and how do we keep our doors open to pay our employees and to keep us afloat? Right. So like these aren't really selfish things. They're more so selfless things because I don't think anybody really gets into the restaurant industry for like a selfish reason. Maybe, maybe they're driven to share what they're passionate about, but I don't think the majority of people get into the restaurant industry at first being like, I'm going to make this million dollar idea. I think the great things become million dollar ideas or more, you know, but the majority of people are just hard workers that roll with the punches. And that's what I've seen with a lot of my clients. Yeah. I don't, that, um, sorry, keep going. No, no, it was just, just that that's what they're doing and trying to stay positive. You know, like being a human is always a, a, a roller coaster of emotions. Anyway, you have good days and bad days. And I think within the context of a quarantine, that's still happening. I've seen people on their good days. I've seen people on their bad days, but everybody's getting through. It is. Yeah. It is one of those things that 
everyone's it's hard. Uh, you obviously want everybody to make it to the other side of this thing. We're not sure if everybody will, but at the end of the day, everybody is doing what they're doing, not just for themselves and their employees. Um, and more so the employees, even more than themselves. I've seen so many chef owners that are like, whatever I can do to help my people, I'm going to do that first and foremost. But afterwards, assuming right. people make it to the other side, they're doing it for the guests because you're right. This is the art of hospitality. This is not just food on a plate. This is the lighting, the music selection, the chairs, the position of the tables, the like what you're looking at, the service, the garnish on the drinks. I mean, it's every little detail that goes into curate, like curating that experience for the diner. And yes, ultimately it's about the food on the plate. Um, in my case, it's often about a couple cocktails along with that, but that's a whole different, that's a whole different vice and conversation. Uh, but it is, it's, it, and you can't wait for those people to get back. If there's one universal that I've figured out from doing just a handful of interviews so far, it's that everybody just misses everybody. So, and people just miss people and they miss being social and they miss, you know, bullshitting over a drink at happy hour and just like being around a table. Everybody misses that so dearly. I was joking to someone like even the people I don't like, I miss them too. But like, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I had a great, nah. so I was, uh, my, one of my very first interviews was chef Rob Wilson, owner of glass bar down at data point. Um, and they're doing a seafood market at his restaurant. Um, and you can go listen to that whole episode, but we basically talked about how people are waiting in line to get into the restaurant. And if you were waiting for your table before this all broke out, you were not saying a word to someone who was right around you, right? Nothing. Your face was in your phone. I don't want to talk to that person. Leave me alone. I'm here to eat, not to talk to you. Standing in line for his seafood market, even though you're socially distant from everyone, everyone was talking to everybody. Everybody just wanted to socialize. Everybody just wanted to like hang out and laugh and remember what it's like to talk to another human. So I, I do have this hope that when we do make it to the other side of this thing, that the inner culture of kind of the diners I think the dining culture is what has needed to change for a while, in my own opinion, and that's a whole different conversation. But I do think that the culture of dining itself is going to change a little bit, and I think it will be more relaxed and communal and hopefully supportive of the restaurants as well, not just there to kind of take from them, but also kind of give what they can experience. I'm hopeful. You know, the one thing I, I hope more people become understanding on and forget about, truthfully, is Yelp. It would be great. Then because I feel and like... I stand uh, in solidarity on that. <laughs> Yelp gave a lot of people a lot of power to make like really snap selfish decisions that really have economic impact on real people's lives. And um, I know that Yelp as a company is suffering right now too. So I don't, I don't mean to say this in a way that uh, negates that, but it, it would be nice if people coming back to this are more appreciative of restaurants as the people behind them and not just as well, you know, this or that, you know, my, my order was wrong or something. I don't think those, Absolutely. I'm hoping that those kind of trivial things don't matter in the next world that comes after this one. Yeah. I hear you. There's maybe three people that I have met because of Yelp and the work they do with Yelp, um, that I respect. Other than that, you know, there's what, four or five actual restaurant critics in Orange County that I would take their opinion. Um, and I think that that should be it. Um, you know, those people are there to work on behalf of the consumer. And I think Yelp actively works against the restaurants because then everybody is acting on the side of the consumer, but more so themselves. And I'm with you. You don't want any harm to happen on that company. Uh, truth be told, I have family ties to people that work for Yelp and Lord knows that I don't wish ill upon them. So you don't want them to suffer, but I do hope that there's a change of kind of the ethos. How people view. Exactly. The review system. Yeah. I mean, I set up the best seats 
not to work as an advocate of the consumer, but to work as an advocate of the restaurant and the hospitality world, basically to tell their story as best that I can in my very amateurish attempts. But I do think that Yelp actively works against it. So I agree with you. I hope that there's a a change on the other side of this. And maybe it's one of those changes that we don't know yet just because we don't know what the other side of this thing looks like. But I'm hopeful. Yeah. I am hopeful. Well, what do you do? I mean, what are you, so what's your go-to home-cooked meal? Obviously, you're cooking at home now. What's your guilty pleasure? Um, so I like to think, I think in the beginning of this, we ate way too much pasta because that was the easiest thing to stock up on. Um, so like we're tired of pasta and bread right now. Um, but we do have like, we subscribe to butcher box, which is actually a pretty good deal. Um, we, it gives us like about a, a month's worth of meat for, uh, $150, but it's like all organic grass fed, really good quality meats. Um, so I've been just going through that stuff and finding different things to make. Like I took a whole chicken and made like a Hungarian style chicken paprikash stew with egg noodles this weekend. Um, what else have I been making a lot of? I've been trying different things, man. And I've been trying to find like a really good, not like sugar free, but like, you know, banana bread made with fruit, um, stuff like that. Like, uh, like low sugar kind of stuff trying to recalibrate, eat healthy. I'm in restaurants a lot and I'm always tasting really good stuff. But after you eat at restaurants for so long, you eat like a little too much butter, a little too much sugar, a little too much salt over time, you know? It it definitely does catch up to you. I will admit that I made homemade ice cream for the first time because I do have a sweet tooth and it was about two and a half weeks in and I realized that I had nothing sweet in the house. Um, And like everybody, I couldn't bake because all of the new boulangerie owners got out and got their baking supplies before me, apparently. So I did make homemade <laughs> ice cream, which eh, turned out all right. I would say I'm 80% happy with it, but I've been turning into a sandwich king lately. I'm dominating the sandwich game at home, just crushing cold cuts. Ooh. You know what I did make yesterday that I liked a lot was um, we had some like frozen shrimp, and I put that with a bunch of garlic and butter and uh, oregano and chili powder and made my own like uh, camarones de mojo de ajo. And kind of, and got a little like Mexican style in the house yesterday. That was good too. I love it, man. I love it. I love it. Well, I'm glad that you sound in good spirits. I'm glad that you're kind of staying busy. I'm glad your clients for the most part are doing well. And obviously, hopefully we can continue to everybody stay home and and get rid of this thing and give healthcare workers a break and obviously kind of get rid of this and get to the other side of it quick. So I'm hopeful for that. Um, If people want to, if people want to find you online, social media, stuff like that, where can they do that? Yeah, uh, give me a follow. Say hello at it's um, on Instagram is at uh, knife and spork p r k n i f e a n d s is in Sam p o r k p r um, and yeah, that's that's pretty much it. And also at Niaz Pirani, n i y a z p i r. And I, Crawford, thank you, man, for no worries, taking the time to talk to me. Oh, man, thank I hope this you. wasn't too depressing for people. I I really, I know that, like, you know, one, one thing I wanted to say that I, I want to give a shout out to, like, the people I worry about the most are all of the restaurant people that I saw constantly for all these years that are not working right now. And I worry about them. Um, I don't think the stimulus was enough. I think we need more. We need to figure out how to help people who are in need right now. And um, I think about all of them a lot. And so uh, I want to give a shout out to all of the impacted restaurant workers and all of the impacted workers. I know you guys at OC Smoke Kitchen, 
have been doing good things um, to help them. And so I wanted to say thank you to you. And um, I just hope everybody gets through this as much as they can. And um, yeah, love to everyone, man. I hear you, man. I, uh, well, I should say that the, it should be Daniel Castillo and Heritage Barbecue that really gets the, the uh, credit for OC Smoke Kitchen. Um, and if you haven't heard of that, do check it out. It is it is a good thing. I'm very proud and humbled to be a part of it. So, and amen. Yeah, shout out to everybody that is affected. Obviously, I just it's hard to do these COVID episodes because you feel like you're beating people over the head with the information. But I do appreciate the time and just trying to spread the word on how people are helping. So, it's, uh, as much as everybody can, just try to remain positive and. What I've learned the most is that, like, the things that are getting me through are, like, the random Zoom calls and, like, my cats and making a banana bread. Like, it's going to sound dumb, but, like, we're the simple things are actually the things that matter in some ways. And it's not – I'm not trying to say, like, if you're losing everything, the simple things are what's going to make things better. But – I'm just trying to find the positivity in what I can. You know what I mean? And I hope that you're able to do the same if you can. I hear you, brother. I hear you. All right, my friend. Thank you so much for the time. Be well. I will talk to you soon. Don't know when I'll see you soon, but hopefully that time comes pretty quickly. For sure. I'm like standing in my kitchen throwing up a peace sign, so you can't see it, but peace. (laughs) I appreciate it, brother. All right, my friend. I will talk to you later. All right, peace. See you. Bye. That was Deanna Spirani, my friend, Knife and Spork Public Relations. Uh, I will make sure that I drop his Instagram tag down in the uh, piece below, all the show details, everything like that. I really appreciate him taking the time. Uh, There's going to be a lot more culinary professionals, beverage professionals, and people like that coming up. There's a lot of podcasts lined up for this week. Um, including a couple of people that were involved with the latest OC Smoke Kitchen, depending on when you're hearing this. We just had our second one on Sunday. Third one is hopefully being planned, and if so, it should be a biggie. But thank you so much to Niaz for the time today. Um, it's so great to talk to people during all this. And I do want to say that there's so much news about COVID-19 and this pandemic, you can't really escape it. And while the podcast does focus, at least for the moment, on kind of how people are handling it, because I think it's important that restaurant and professionals associated with restaurants get to tell their stories and kind of how they're managing, I hope it's not beating people over the head more with kind of the coronavirus. Well, I'm, if, you know, if it is, please tell me. And again, there's always open for feedback, even regardless of if you're a Patreon supporter or not. Um, and again, apologies to the Patreon supporters, just because the scheduling of this one, obviously people not being able to get questions in, apologies for that. But there will be announcements on who the other upcoming guests are. Uh, so you'll be able to get your questions, comments, concerns in, and more through them. But yeah, I hope it's not beating over the... Um, beating you over the head with the information on the virus. That's not the intent. The intent is kind of a form of escapism, which I think that we all definitely need right now. So I hope you enjoyed the interview. I'm really grateful to Niaz for the time. He's a great, great guy. Um, if you ever see him out and about, as soon as we can all be out and about, please say hello. Uh, one of the friendliest and nicest humans that I have had the good pleasure of working with ever since I got into this job. So thank you again to him. Thank you guys for the time so, so much for listening. Uh, be sure to leave a review and a comment if you can. It helps with the search algorithm, especially on iTunes, because there's a lot of podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, stay safe, stay sane. 
Thank you so, so much again to Allie Coyle for the music. Thank you to all of you for listening. Thank you to nurses and as Nia said, all the hospitality professionals, doctors, first responders, everybody that is working, continuing to kick ass so we can get the hell out of our pajamas and go back to the bars. Thanks so much, everybody. I will see you on the next episode. Take care. of the best seats it is written edited produced and owned by myself crawford mccarthy founder and owner of the best seats it is recorded in Aliso viejo california it is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats the following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier aka norm status and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode thank you from the bottom of my heart here are the supporters Katie Cassie, Eric Lutz, Serena Warino, Talia Samuels, Cheryl McCarthy. Thank you for your support.